Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's Scripture Reflections. All'inizio non si capiva bene, ma viene soltanto alla cerimonia e a noi ungheresi non ci visita e qualcuno la pensava male, no? No, io ho spiegato che era pianificata la visita, ma in mente già era la Slovacchia, Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. Pope Francis has just returned from his breakneck pace trip to Budapest and Slovakia. So in this episode, we're going to recap the trip with Jerry, who just a few hours ago asked the Pope a question aboard the papal plane. So hello from New Orleans, Jerry. Good evening from Rome, Colleen, and from an exhausted reporter. <laughs> yeah, you seem pretty tired. We'll try to get our conversation done pretty quick. So you were just on the papal plane with Pope Francis a few hours ago this afternoon, and you were selected to ask Pope Francis a question. The way that that works for our listeners who might not know is that um, the journalists on the plane are divided into language groups, and they come up with a question together, and then one representative is kind of chosen before the trip, names picked out of a hat uh, to ask a question on behalf of that language group. No, it's uh, because of all the discussion we used to have on who should ask questions and which questions should be asked. We mm -hmm. decided on a more, what we say, egalitarian method. We put all the names into a hat, mm -hmm. we drew out names. And the person whose name was drawn out was then the person who decided what question to ask. Right, that's what I said. Yes, well, there was no discussion about the questions. Oh, you got to ask a question just chosen by yourself, not chosen by the group. I, I, I chose the question. I, I mentioned to others what I was thinking of doing, and everybody was supportive. And uh, that's how it came about. <laughs> All right. So, Jerry, what was the question that you asked the Pope? Well, it was a long question. I Basically, what I was saying to him, he's always said the Eucharist is not a prize for the perfect. It's a medicine. It's, it's uh, uh, something that helps the weak. And I said, uh, but in the United States, there's a big discussion about this over whether politicians who support abortion legislation or the women's rights to choose, whether they should be given communion. And I, mm -hmm. I said to him, I said, there are uh, different opinions. Some bishops are pushing for the denial of communion. Others are against this. And some others are saying, well, we shouldn't make the Eucharist into an arm, uh, a weapon. Right. This was a big question around the 20, uh, 2020 presidential election because Joe Biden so publicly identifies as a Catholic, but also as someone who supports uh, legal protection for women to have abortions. So what did the Pope have to say? Well, uh, I asked him a second question, which he answered first. I asked him, "Did you have you ever, in your years as a bishop, refused communion to somebody Denied publicly mm -hmm. communion to somebody. Poi una seconda domanda. E 
Lei, come vescovo in tutti questi anni, ha pubblicamente rifiutato l'Eucaristia a qualcuno di in questi anni? Io mai ho rifiutato l'Eucaristia a nessuno. Nessuno. Non so se è venuto qualcuno che era in queste condizioni, ma io mai, mai ho rifiutato l'Eucaristia. And he said no, not as a, even as a priest. Wow. Uh, he said, maybe some of the type of person you described came up, I don't know, but I, it never happened to me. He said, the only time I ever gave communion to somebody that I didn't realize was when I visited an old folks home. And I asked who wanted to receive communion. Everybody put up their hands, so I gave everybody communion. And then one uh, elderly lady came to me and said, thank you, I'm a Jew. And so I said to her, the Pope said, I said to her, well, I've given you something Jewish. <laughs> yeah, he said, the, the one I gave you is Jewish. Che non sa gestire con lo stile di Dio, scivola e si mette in tante cose che non sono pastori. Per me, non vorrei particolarizzare. So how about the first part of the question, about what he would advise bishops to do? Well, he started by talking about abortion, and he said what he's always said, that we should recognize that what we've got when even at three weeks old is a human being, maybe not a person, but a human being. It's got all the organs and the DNA. And uh, he said to kill that, to decide to kill it, is, is murder. Uh, he said, or to get someone to do it is to hire a hitman. It's not, he said, the church's teaching on this is very hard. Mm -hmm. If we say it's okay to kill a human being at that point, then we're really opening to allowing homicide every day. And then he said, then he went on, and it was very interesting, because I, I think this is the, that is already something he has said many times. Right. The next part is something that is, I would consider new. He said, mm -hmm. bishops have to be pastors. They have to deal with problems when they come up in a pastoral way, and also in re reference to abortion. He said, when they depart from being pastors, then they move into the political area. Mm -hmm. And that's where the disasters come. Right. He says when you when you stop being a pastor and go into the political area, then you stop being a pastor and you become a politician. He said you then you get the things like happened in Saint, the massacres in St. Bartholomew's Day or the burning of Savonarola in Florence or the burning of Giordano Bruno in uh, Campo di Fiori, not far from where I live in Rome. And mm -hmm. so he, he said uh, bishops, If they go down that road, they've ceased to be pastors. And he said the shepherd is to accompany, to be compassionate, to be tender, to show the face of God, to help that person. Right. He says here, what should a shepherd do? They should be a shepherd and not go around condemning or not condemning. And then he goes on, if we look at the history of the church, we'll see that every time that the bishops didn't act as shepherds, it turned out poorly. I think this is a very message. He said, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to go into the issues of the United States, because I don't know, know them very well. But in reality, what he is saying, this is a principle that also applies there. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's very interesting, because what he said today is what I have heard from senior Vatican officials over these past six months, who said to me, and I've said it on this program, that the bishops of the United States should be pastors, not politicians. Mm -hmm. And so uh, with the Pope coming out with a statement like this and saying, but I'm not talking about the United States, but making principle, it, it seems to me that this is uh, 
it is what they think here that is a major issue for the United States. Right. Now, this has been a subject of tension between the U.S. bishops and the Vatican. We had a little bit of back and forth around back when Biden was being inaugurated, when this conversation kind of came out into the public because Pope Francis sent his congratulations to President Biden, whereas the president of the U.S. Bishops Conference issued his own statement kind of laying out areas of differences between the bishops' lines on Catholic teaching and Joe Biden's lines. And the whole debate kind of ended up with the U.S. bishops voting to draft a document on what they called Eucharistic coherence, which is basically just, you know, teach Catholic teaching on worthiness to receive communion. And they said that that would not just be focused on politicians. It would focus on other people in other areas of life, too. We haven't seen that document yet. We're not sure when it's coming. But I'm curious if you think that this message from the Pope today is going to have any effect on the U.S. bishops and what they draft in that that document. Well, my bigger question is how much some of the bishops listened to Pope Francis. Because I remember when the document, and he mentioned it, in fact, on the plane, the document on Amoris Laetitia came out. And the openings to for the possibility of communion to the divorce and remarried. And some people started shouting, heresy, heresy, he said. Right, he said that, yeah. So I, I think the big question is, are the bishops listening to the Pope? If they are, then they should take very seriously this message that they're called to be pastors, not politicians. And they're called to accompany, not to condemn. They're called to show tenderness and, and help people on the journey of life. Jerry, how would you say this squares with like, Catholic teaching on worthiness to receive communion. I mean, I get that, you know, abortion, as as the Pope said, is is a grave sin, a grave evil, and somebody should not be in a situation of sin when receiving communion. And there's all kinds of conversations about cooperation with evil that we could have around around politicians. But generally, the way this has been interpreted is that pro-choice politicians are not seen as worthy to receive communion, at least in the States. And with the Pope saying today that bishops should be pastors, they shouldn't condemn anyone, and saying that he himself has never denied communion to anyone, I I wonder if you see that as pushing back on the church's teaching, if you see this as any kind of change, or, or how you balance those. I think the Pope is reflecting very much his own many years as a bishop. I think 1992 he became a bishop, so he's almost bishop, uh, what, 30 years, mm -hmm. and he has listened to bishops from around the world. He, he's, he's the center of unity and orthodoxy in the church. So he's not just another voice. And if he's treated by bishops as just another bishop speaking, mm -hmm. then they, they misunderstand the Catholic teaching. I think his own testimony that I have never refused the Eucharist to anybody. I asked him, had he done it publicly? He said he has never, ever. Right even as a priest, even in private. Now, there are some bishops who take pride in refusing communion to some people. And this really is a very debatable, questionable approach as a pastor. Mm -hmm. I think it will make many bishops reflect and say, if the Pope, in all his years, with his wisdom, can still, now eight years into his pontificate, say, I have never refused communion, can I, a young bishop or a bishop of many years standing, with, with what right am I to say 
he's wrong and I'm right. Yeah, I think even with that in mind, though, these comments will probably spark a lot of debate. And it seems like the Pope knows this. He brought up the debate that happened around Amoris Laetitia, around his openness to allowing divorced and remarried Catholics to receive communion, and the debate kind of follows similar lines for for the question of politicians. So I think that we're probably going to see a, a lot more conversation around both the Catholic teaching around the Eucharist and more importantly, and what the Pope is getting at around taking different pastoral actions and different pastoral considerations for whether to allow pro-choice politicians to receive communion. So the papal press conference was not the Pope's only warning against using religion to score political points. He did that throughout this trip to a region where Christian populism is on the rise. So after the break, Jerry is going to give us his takeaways from the trip. mentioned, this trip to Hungary and Slovakia was a breakneck speed trip. We talked about that a little bit before you all left. He spent a few hours in Budapest and then went on to Bratislava and several other Slovakian cities. We're not going to recap the entire schedule on this show. For our listeners, if you want to go through uh, stop by stop, you can find Jerry's day by day updates on our website. They're also linked in the show notes. But Jerry, what I do want to ask you about is the big question that we had going into this trip, which was about the Pope's health. We know that the Pope had an operation on his colon in July, and he was just getting back to normal before the trip. So how did he hold up on this trip? Well, somebody said to me, it was like an Olympic. At, at, <laughs> like an Olympian? <laughs> really, the unanimous opinion among the 78 journalists on the plane was that he amazed us how well he is, how quickly and completely he has recovered, and the energy he now has. I, I, I made the quip to him on the, well, I said on the plane, before I asked my question, I said, because nobody else had said it up to then, I said, uh, we're all delighted that you have recovered of, of the excellent result from your operation. I said, you look rejuvenated. And he said, well, they, they, um, they did this operation and it wasn't a very aesthetic cosmetic result, but... <laughs> It, it was good. Uh, but Cardinal Sandri, who, who's an Argentinian, who, who's known the Pope since his seminary days, said uh, this trip confirms that the operation is history. It, it's mm -hmm. water under the bridge. It's past. Yeah. We had a question going into this about whether any events might get cancelled. They're kind of worried about that possibly overshadowing the trip. Did anything get cancelled? Something's got added. Wow. And... Uh, then we saw Francis going back to a form, I haven't seen him since 2019, getting the Pope mobile to stop and 
getting the, 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 his guards to bring in children and he kisses them. Mm-hmm. So he'll stop the Pope Mobile and kind of walk over to the crowd and greet people? He created consternation, as I reported. Consternation among his security detail? Yes, they, all these dressed like, uh, you know, Rambos, basically. Uh, and uh, the, 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 he saw a group of women with children on the side of the rope when he was going from the palace in uh, Bratislava to the cathedral of... St. Martin, he spotted them and he insisted they stop the car. He got out, went over to the women and the children to their immense delight. And then he, he gave them each little rosary beads and they couldn't believe. I mean, it was like a oh. manna from heaven. They, they, they couldn't believe their luck. Yeah, you know they're going to treasure those forever too. Yes, and I, I've seen him break away a number of times now on the trip. So Somebody said to me at breakfast this morning, calling the hotel before five o'clock in the morning or four thirty or something. And they said, uh, "Really, he's only not well when he's locked up in the Vatican." Jerry, now we don't always know what the Pope is going to say. We kind of are are doing some guesswork before a trip when we're when we're planning our coverage. Uh, so I wanted to return to what the Pope's message was on this trip, and I was wondering what. What your main takeaways about what he was trying to communicate on this trip were? First of all, in both Hungary and Slovakia, the Pope spoke a lot about the cross. And he said to the Hungarians, he said, you have a song about him, about for a thousand years the cross has been part of our life. And he says, but look at the cross. The arms are open, wide open to embrace it was a very strong message. It was going to the heart of their spiritual tradition. Right, because when the Pope is talking about the cross here, it's it's a powerful reference also to, to their history in this country. And the, the government has been saying, you know, we want to defend the Christian heritage. And I, I understand that the um, Prime Minister Orban, he, he asked the Pope to help us to defend Christian uh, heritage in, in, in Hungary and in Europe. Right. It was kind of interesting. He was asked about his meeting with Viktor Orban. And on our last episode, we outlined that there are some pretty deep disagreements between the Pope and Orban, especially on migration. And the Pope was asked what they talked about. He said they didn't talk about migration in their conversation, but maybe if there's a future visit, it could come up. Yes. And it's very interesting in that meeting with the Pope and the presidents and the prime minister and the Pope's senior advisors, they discussed the things on which they agree, family, Mm -hmm. low abortion rate, environmental questions, helping families to have children, but making it possible through a tax system that facilitates and makes and opens the possibilities. I I, I think they came to perhaps a deeper appreciation of each other. I, I think that the Pope's message, you know, about the cross, the arms open, he was saying, you've got to reach out, reach out. Because both Hungary and Slovakia, looking at the people, looking at the houses, looking at the way they live, they're, they're not such poor countries. In fact, I remember I was in Slovakia, 1993, with John Paul II. And I remember it as a dull city. Uh, Bratislava, I remember it as dull, as somewhat depressed. Now I see a thriving city, beautiful. You, you, you get the distinct feeling you know, this economy has really taken off. Right. Now, there was also, uh, the Pope did 
go out of his way to visit a very poor community in Slovakia. He went to the Lunik 9 uh, Roma settlement, which is a marginalized group. They used to be migrants in Europe, and for centuries they've faced discrimination of various kinds. Today they have really low employment rates. And I, I'm, I'm curious what the scene was like when the Pope went there and, and what he had to say to this this community that's on the margins of Slovakian society. First of all, Colleen, that encampment, settlement, is the biggest Roma center in Europe. Mm -hmm. In Ireland, they call them the traveling people. Mm -hmm. They're called nomads in other places. But they are poor, very poor. In the past, they did made pots and pans and they had... Uh, trades that were then valuable, but in this new age of the supermarket, of the electronics, etc., they, they don't have those, those things. So they, they have kind of lost a whole set of skills. So they don't have education, they don't have healthcare, and they don't have basic services. And the Pope went there to highlight it, to highlight their grave plight. I understand the government really was not very happy when he pressed and said, I want to go there. For, for many of the Slovaks, it was kind of an embarrassing moment. They call it the ghetto of, of shame. And uh, I think this is where Francis is at his best. He, he goes in and he says, you know, these are my brothers and sisters. And he told them, I will always welcome you in the church. You will always be welcome. You are brothers and sisters. And and they were very happy, but a lot of them were, where I understand, kept in their homes because they were supposed to register, and some of them didn't know how to register. And But the reality was that he touched a nerve center in the Slovak society. And now I, I just wonder where it will lead, because before the Pope left this today, remember the young woman president, 48 years old. Mm -hmm. This is Susanna Kaputova. She was the one who really convinced him to come to Slovakia. And today, as the Pope was leaving, she came to the airport to say goodbye to him. And she was at the steps of the plane as he went up, almost in tears. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that was? Who knows what he said to her? And who knows what she took to her heart? And maybe these kind of things can change also the possibilities for the Roma people. All right, Jerry, I think that we're going to wrap up our conversation there. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us at the end of a very long day. Uh, and I hope you can get some rest after this crazy trip. Thank you, Colleen. I think I'll need a few days to always sleep deficit on these trips. But they're <laughs> yeah. fascinating because you see other parts of the world, but also you see a church that's alive. So if you want to learn more about that Roma settlement that we were talking about and the Pope's visit there, we have a really interesting piece by a Slovakian historian who, who wrote about uh, kind of the changes that Roma women are bringing to that community to ensure a better future for their children. And of course, if you want to read more of America's coverage of Pope Francis's trip to Hungary and Slovakia, you can find that at americamagazine.org. And as always, I will link to Jerry's stories in our show notes. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Maggie Van Dorn. Production assistance from Doug Gerardo. Sound engineering by Kevin Christopher Robles. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org. And you can follow us on Twitter at INSDE Vatican Pod. 
That's Inside Without the Second Eye, Vatican Pod. If you want to support our work on Inside the Vatican, the best way to do that is by subscribing to America Magazine. You can purchase a digital subscription, which includes all of our digital products, at americamagazine.org slash subscribe. For American Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Deli. We'll see you next time. Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's scripture reflections.